broadcasting from the business capital of the world. This is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back to the show. Excited to have our friend Ashley Pinkney joining us here once again as a family mental health counselor, marriage counselor. The name of her company is Hummingbird Marriage and Family Therapy based out of Rochester, New York. Please welcome Ashley back. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Good to see you, sweetheart. For those new time listeners, tell them a little about what you do. Uh, and of course, let's establish uh, the website, which I know it's hummingbirdmft.com, <laughs> correct? Yes, it is. So I am the founder of Hummingbird Marriage and Family Therapy, which is a private practice in Rochester, New York. I'm a marriage and family therapist who supports people through the ebbs and flows of life. Um, helps them overcome longstanding issues that they see as burdens, building value-oriented lives. And then I also specialize in life transitions, eating disorders, which we're going to talk about today, um, and grief and loss. Well, thank you for being here, for joining us. And I guess it's episode six. We've been talking quite a few weeks now. And yes. uh, yeah, you did mention eating disorders will be the the topic for today, which, um, my goodness, I mean, there's so much that goes into that. So let's establish a little bit about um, eating disorders. And I'm sure there's so many. Where did you want to start, Ashley? So just giving an overview of what eating disorders are. So they're a psychological condition that affects your relationship with food. Um, they actually are like the most deadly mental illness, only second to like opioid overdoses. So in the um, spectrum of life, like they're about 9% of the U.S. population is going to experience some sort of an eating disorder. So it's something that's very serious that um, a lot of times does not get talked about in the mental health world, particularly because it's not just the mental health piece, but it also is the physical health thing. But there is a mutual agreement that there are many different types of eating disorders. And, you know, I just want to educate a bit about what those different types are, what do they look like, what to look at, and how to get support around those things as well. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. And by the way, eating disorders can affect both women and men as well, right? I think yes. back in the day, we used to think more of women, but no, um, right? It's equal game. Mm -hmm. And at what age normally are you seeing people starting with eating disorders as early as what age to as old as what age? Well, I think that there's a difference between like eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors. So like disordered eating can be something such as like picky eating or like, you know, small restrictions of food or, um, you know, small episodes of like binge eating. But then when you get into the disordered behaviors, it could be at very young ages, depending on what's going on in your life. Like I've seen um, and worked with kids who are as young as like 12 and 13 who have been having eating disorders, um, you know, restricting their intake or like, you know, binging, purging, or, um, you know, just using behaviors, trying to um, modify their um, bodies and their food intake. So it can start quite young and it can just go across the life, the whole spectrum of life. And I've worked with people who are in their 60s who have been like struggling with eating disorders throughout their whole life so wow. it's nothing that discriminates by age or anything like that okay. it's just um a coping skill people try to use to manage stuff in their life and food can often be an element of control for them to be able to manage all right and uh, let's break it down i know there's quite a few different types where did you want to start so like one of the most common ones I think most people know about is anorexia nervosa. So that's an obsession where you have with weight, food, calories. So people with anorexia can have an intense fear of gaining weight, which can lead to restriction of food intake. And there also could be like excessive exercising within that as well to um, restrict your like calorie intake as part of that. 
Um, then we also have um, bulimia nervosa, which is recurrent episodes of binge eating with compensatory behaviors, such as like purging behaviors. There might be um, fasting, excessive exercise, use of like laxative diuretics or, or other medications in order to um, maintain or to reduce their weight as well. And they might be very concerned about their body weight and shape. So those two are some of the more familiar ones. Um, then we also have binge eating disorder, which is these recurrent episodes of binge eating behaviors. So people may eat much more rapidly than normal, feeling more full, like very uncomfortably full past the um, point of um, satisfaction, eating like quantities of food without feeling hungry and then feeling like guilty or depressed after having um, eaten those quantities of food. And then the last one that I wanted to talk about is ARFID, which is a relatively newer diagnosis that a lot of people don't know about, which is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. So where there's an eating or feeding disturbance and like an apparent like lack of interest for food. So this is different than anorexia where people are, you know, purposely um, not eating and just as this lack of interest in food, there's avoidance based on like sensory characteristics with food. So, you know, there might also be concerns about like adverse consequences such as like um vomiting or getting sick from foods and a lot of time there's these like sensory issues that go along with it that make food just so unappetizing and uncomfortable to eat that that's where this one comes up oh can you can you share that further what do you mean with sen sensory wise so some of the people who i have worked with who have arfid also are on a um like Asperger's or an autism spectrum and this okay. is not by large the okay. um, majority of people but I've had several people who'd rather have been an overlap with that so some people who have sensory processing disorders may also have um like a correlation with having some ARFID um symptoms as well because of like that is also a sensory processing issue with food or I've had people who have concerns um with like vomiting due to like having adverse food reactions like getting like you know, food poisoning re related to a certain particular food, and then they just no longer eat that or any foods that are like that. Um, and then it kind of s slides into an ARFID type of a situation. So that's not by and large the general population, but those are some of the ones that I have seen with the clients that I've worked with. Got it. Okay, good to know. Thank you so much. And by the way, mm -hmm. if you are just tuning in, Ashley Pinkney, how can we reach you? So you can reach me on my website, which is hummingbirdmft.com. Phone number here in Rochester is 585-443-3124. Um, feel free to reach out. And you can also send me an email at hello at hummingbirdmft.com. Perfect. And I want to know what brought you into this area of eating disorders, of course. Um, but before mm -hmm. that, is there any other ones that you want to mention? Any other dis uh, eating disorders that we missed so far? Like one other concern that is part of eating disorders is body dysmorphic disorder, mm -hmm. which can be this obsession with this imaginary defect of physical appearance or this extreme concern about like slight physical blemishes or other things that might people might not see so you know there might be this inaccurate perception of your body and specific body parts such as like your hair your skin your stomach thighs like where you think they may be bigger or smaller so it's like having this inaccurate view of how your body is and then mm -hmm. because of the dysmorphia within that utilizing other behaviors such as like binging purging um, that can try to modify those body parts to look the way that you would like them to do or what is seen as quote unquote socially acceptable. 
And that could be a lot of motivation for people of trying to just modify their bodies. Right, well, what brought you into this field? Would you mind sharing how you specifically, um, you know, started working with those with uh, eating disorder or also known as mm-hmm. ED, correct? Yes. So the long and varied story. So a couple different reasons I got into eating disorders. Um, first of all, just like my history as a marriage and family therapist, I focused um, early on in my career with medical marriage and family therapy which is working in medical populations with doctors, nurses, you know, dietitians, like the whole spectrum of um, clinicians with people who have mental health concerns. So there's an overlap because eating disorders do have the physical components and working as part of a multidisciplinary team is something that I was doing a lot and um, eating disorders kept coming up with that and people needing therapists to work with them in that um, environment and working amongst the rest of that team. And then from there, I started working in multiple levels of treatment for eating disorders. So in my career, I've worked in partial hospitalization setting, which is like one step out of inpatient. Um, I currently do some work at a residential facility here in Rochester, New York. I work in outpatient and I've also worked in intensive outpatient as well. So across the multiple levels of treatment in eating disorders, um, I've just gotten to know so many people who just need that additional support. Um, And, you know, eating disorders can often be looked at as a illness that only impacts like women or particularly like Caucasian women. And like, there's so much with like women of color that don't have access to these services or know about eating disorders. So I also just wanted to be like a somewhat familiar face in those spaces for people who may not have ever known that they could have an eating disorder and like trying to help them understand that of what, you know, what that is and how treatment looks like. Got it. And what have you learned over the years of working with so many people with eating disorders? Would you mind sharing a little bit of what you mm-hmm. notice about, uh, you know, these people affected in particular? Yeah. So like one thing I noticed was that there were just some like gaps in treatment, like I was saying that, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes people think of eating disorders. They think of heterosexual, white, young females, however, eating disorders impacts such a wide demographic of persons and ethnicities. So, you know, one of my favorite books that I recommend for a lot of my clients is The Body Keeps Score by Sonia Renee Taylor. And the author states that society can determine what bodies are seen as most valuable. And oftentimes, like black and brown bodies are seen as less valuable and can be treated as such in healthcare systems. So, you know, which can result in this reduced access to service or a lack of education about the impact of eating disorders on people of color. So due to these inequities, like, like BIPOC persons are significantly less likely to like first be diagnosed with an eating disorder, to be asked about any eating disorder symptoms and receive treatment because because there's a lack of access to that. So I wanted to make sure that in my practice, there's a space of being able to know these things, get access and have connections to that. And also I can educate people on it. And then there's also these like unique barriers within a lot of my clients who are also in the LGBTQ community where they're seeking out treatment because eating disorders are also, like I said, so prevalent in like cisgender white females that like those who are part of the LGBTQ community are often underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed with eating disorders. So there's so much access that people need or like, you know, there's these stereotypes that can happen um, just from the prevalence of eating disorders that people just don't know where to go. And I want to make sure that I'm a voice of, that's able to do that, of giving, you know, where to go, what to do, who to connect to. And, and there's a book you mentioned that's helpful. Could you share a little bit about that? 
Yeah. So the book is called The Body is Not an Apology. And it talks about um, being able to have like liberation within your body and how to, um, you know, not lean into certain stereotypes. Um, uh, in a lot of ways, it's um, like from a perspective of like um, liberation for people who are in larger bodies and can lean into some information about health at every size. So it's something that I like to recommend to people who particularly have some struggles with some body dysmorphia about being able to just kind of look at how um, our bodies and like the society can like look at inequities that we have or perceived inequities and make us feel like we're less than when that's not necessarily true. Like we have the um, ability to take up space and to um, just be like connected and like ourselves. And we don't have to constantly, you know, downgrade ourselves based on these arbitrary beliefs about what is a good or a bad body. Good to know. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, um, uh, over time now, um, you know, Mm -hmm. how does, uh, eating disorder really develop and the importance of course, of getting that community help and community support as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the eating disorders, there's a lot of different ways that they can develop. So um, I usually introduce it from this perspective of the multi-determined nature of eating disorders, which looks at precipitating factors such as biological and genetic factors. So we might just have like a genetic predisposition to development of eating disorders. There's also like the psychological and behavioral um, part of it. So eating disorders overlap with several different um, mental health diagnoses, such as um, like post-traumatic stress disorder, um, depression, anxiety, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. So, so there's overlap with those. So it's not saying that everybody who has mm-hmm. those disorders will have an eating disorder, but yeah. there is a, a strong overlap with those ones. Um, and then there's also the sociocultural factors that come into it. So, you know, when we live in certain societies that fries um, certain body types and ways of looking, you know, it can feel an immense amount of pressure to feel like, okay, I have to look this way and trying to modify your body to look a way that would be ideal in order to gain success or to gain, um, you know, love or relationship or connection with people. And oftentimes those are some motivations that people can have, or people have motivations of like, if they have trauma experiences Mm -hmm. of trying to like protect themselves by using those behaviors to control things around them so that it, um, mitigates like the, um, the symptoms of trauma that they're experiencing on a regular basis. So we have the precipitating factors and then we have the perpetuating factors, which can be, um, like I said, trauma is also one of those things, life transitions that we happen, Mm -hmm. um, experiences with bullying, um, the weight stigma, stress, media influence. So those are things that keep going on. So it might have been, you know, some stuff might've been there in the background, but like the stuff that we constantly get access to can keep, the um eating disorder continually to um go to you know perpetuate itself throughout our lives so being able to learn how to manage those different things is important um in somebody's recovery from an eating disorder got it and um let's remind everyone of all the ways we can reach out to you ashley and how does it work and then we're going to get into you know more details about you know how this happens the therapy that's needed and how of course someone like yourself could be of help so website, yes. phone number, social media, anything that you want to share. All right. So website is hummingbirdmft.com. So that's hummingbird, M as in marriage, F as in family, T as in therapy.com. Uh, the phone number is 585-443-3124. 
And uh, our social media is at HummingbirdMFT on Facebook and Instagram. So you can find me in all of those areas. Perfect. Thanks so much. So let's talk specifically about therapy, how it works and how it can really help. Yes. So, you know, one of the things I came to realize with a lot of the clients who I work with is that, you know, there's a lot of pain that can be held and people can internalize this pain and take it out on themselves. So eating disorders can develop as a coping strategy for the precipitating and the perpetuating factors that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you work with somebody in therapy or when I work with somebody in therapy specifically, you know, the first thing I want to do is make sure that they get connected to the right resources Mm -hmm. to help them have a better relationship with food. And for most people who um, I work with, having um, an eating disorder, like the connection is like making sure you're connected with a doctor who is informed about eating disorders um, and also um, possibly like a dietitian. And then there's also good social supports that people can also be part of where you might have like a peer mentor or a coach um, who works specifically with people with eating disorders or some of the larger um, eating disorder networks um, such as like um, Montanito and affiliates, there's also Renfru, there's, you know, there's a lot of different big um, organizations that have multiple levels of treatment that people can work through and step down through if they have significant um, concerns with eating disorders. Um, But, you know, you, the big thing is that we want to get you like nutritionally stable so that you can do the internal work. So when we're doing the actual work for eating disorders, like there's a lot of different ways to work with them. So I'm just going to speak to specifically the perspective I work with eating disorders, which is utilizing internal family systems as a way to not pathologize your mental state or the behaviors associated with many eating disorders. So then with internal family systems or IFS, so I'll use a short version of it, sure. you know, it believes in like the multiplicity of your mind and that we all have a self that's inherent. Um, wise and these protective parts such as an eating disorder have an intended purpose of you know giving us a protection that kind of helps any parts of it that feel like vulnerable or unsafe like of giving those parts protection so we feel safe so the outside constraints that are these perpetuating factors I spoke about earlier can force these protective parts of us to get out of their intended purpose and cause them to operate in these extreme ways so you know, I like to use the analogy of like, you know, if I try to hang a picture on the wall and I need to use a hammer, I have to hammer the nail into the wall. I would use a normal household hammer instead of a sledgehammer because that would be too much power or too much force or, you know, just way too much more likely to damage the wall behind us. So like, that's a lot with our parts that we want to be able to use stuff that's proportionate to the situation and not use a sledgehammer for everything. And so for in an eating disorder context, a lot of times people use behaviors and it's like taking a sledgehammer to the wall and you end up causing so much more damage around you when it's like, okay, there's other ways of using coping strategies. There's other ways of, you know, feeling protected and utilizing those skills in a way that doesn't harm you at the same time. Got it. Well, thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. And also, Ashley, um, you know, what about you mentioned therapy can really help respond to distress in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, you know, what I notice is that, you know, with people who have eating disorders, like a lot of times coming in with that curiosity of like why and how it's developed as well, how to respond to stress or discomfort without harming yourself, like I was saying earlier. So like oftentimes we feel like we're doing the best that we can in trying to help. However, um, these different burdens that we have can um, actually be holding onto a lot of pain. 
and, you know, causing a lot more um, issues than we think. So it's like, we're trying to do the best I can, but I'm also in pain at the same time. So like, what do I do? Um, so what, you know, there are a lot of things that I tell people that um, you can work on is like looking at your negative thought patterns that people have that can maintain the eating disorders. And then, you know, as we're looking at these negative thought patterns, which are causing distress, like how do we build coping skills in order to um, work through those and look at the origin of them? We look at like ourself and like what are actual personal beliefs versus like beliefs that have been put on us and be, try to be more like self-led as opposed to being led by like our pain or our hurts and our trauma, which can cause us to respond in these um, extreme reactions and cause more distress. So we're building new coping skills to deal with the distress and building a good support network of people around us who help provide care, empathy, and safety so that we don't have to utilize negative coping skills to manage things that are distressful to us. All right. Thank you so much. And let's talk more about, um, you know, the mind you say about it, but you said you mostly viewed as like separate entities, mm -hmm. right? Um, but research yes. continues to show how closely things are kind of correlated, right? Yes. So good mental health can have a positive impact on your physical health. And just conversely, like poor mental health can um, negatively impact your physical health as well. So eating disorders impact both of these things because people who are nutritionally malnourished, it's often difficult to maintain your mental health as well because you're not getting, you know, the nutrition that's allowing you to be able to like function at your like adequate space. So, um, you know, people can have more reluctance to seeking out help related to your mental health than your physical health. Like, you know, if people find out I'm a therapist, like, you know, out in the wild, in the casual world, I get so many people who are just like, you're a therapist and they just like run for the hills. Like people don't want to talk about their mental health. You know, I'll talk about it all day, but you know, physical health, people are so much more likely of like, okay, I have an ache. I have a pain. Okay. I'm going to go to the doctor. Or I'm going to call urgent care. Like people don't do that with mental health often, particularly with eating disorders, because there can be so much guilt and shame that's associated with the experience that you're going through, that it's hard for people to take that first step and seek out help. And, um, you know, if you're looking for resources for that, like on my website, I have plenty of resources for eating disorders, just because sometimes people want to read stuff before they reach out. So those are there. And then I'm also going to update my Instagram later. They give some more resources that I really um, utilize with a lot of clients as well. It's just so people who may be curious about um, eating disorders and want to figure out if this is something that they're experiencing or even something that like a loved one is experiencing of just having some resources that are out there. Got it. All right. Well, thank you so much. We still have five minutes left in the show, Ashley. Uh, so mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit more about the work you're doing besides eating disorders. There's so mm -hmm. much of an umbrella and broad things that you can help others mm -hmm. with. Would you mind just giving us a little um, insight into the other work that you do and how you can help people yeah. that may be listening today? Yes. And, you know, with the eating disorder part of it, like I also do family therapy work with that, especially for like some of the um, older adolescents and young adults who I work with, because like I've said, like having um, an eating disorder, you need a support network. So, you know, in my work, I do family work and I also do couples counseling work for people who have eating disorders, also for people who don't have that. So a lot of couples work that's out here of just like maintaining connections, um, maintaining ways of like having good conflict resolution with each other, having good support with each other, um, just building the friendship with each other. So 
a lot of couples counseling work that's going on here. And then the individual work, um, like I was saying earlier, I specialize in working with life transitions. So helping people, you know, find the things that are um, valuable in their lives and working towards those. So being able to let go of longstanding burdens and create these healthy, authentic relationships um, in the transitions that we go on in life, whether it be, you know, going to college, whether it's getting married, getting a divorce, having your first child, so many things that we go through. And, you know, even going through an eating disorder and the recovery of that is also a life transition of making massive changes. And sometimes making changes can be hard and you need just an extra little bit of support. Oh my goodness, it really can, for sure. And yes. um, let me just also remind um, people how we can reach you. Would you mind sharing? And also, if someone does have questions, how does it work? You know, and you do offer initial consultation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to um, give me a phone call, it's 585-443-3124. I'm located in Rochester, New York, and I see people throughout New York State, both virtually and in person. Um, if you want to contact me via um, my website, which is hummingbirdmft.com, um, there is a new client um, button. Then you can go there, just put a little note in there like, hey, you know, I'm looking for a therapist who's helped me work on eating disorders. Can I schedule a consultation? And I offer like a free 15 minute consultation just to ask about what do you need? What are you seeing as burden in your life? What are you um, looking to get out of counseling? And just also just to make sure that I'm a fit of a good therapist for you. Cause I think therapy is such a personal thing and, you know, I want to make sure that I'm a good fit for you. And if not, I have a network of really great clinicians out there who I know might be a good fit as well. So, you know, give a call if you feel like, you know, I could be a good therapist fit for you and, you know, we can see where we can go from there. Oh, thank you so much. Really a pleasure having mm -hmm. you here again. Uh, good to mm -hmm. speak with you. And I know you're based out of New York, by the way, only helping clients in New York or can you help uh, in other States? Only in New York, just because of the uh, licensure status and everything. But throughout all of New York State, I'm able to work with people. Just want to make sure. Thank you so much, sweetheart. You have a fantastic day, okay? And right, uh, reach you. out, guys. Ashley, thank you. And again, the topic today, eating disorders. If you do know someone who's suffering, may think you're suffering, um, always mm -hmm. uh, good to talk about it, right? Bring it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're in need of assistance, please reach out to Ashley and uh, get the help that you need because it's possible. And just by the way, I just want to just mm -hmm. mention something something off cuff here but like I you know growing up I'm 45 and I always heard about Princess Diana with an eating disorder right was it bulimia right. was it, I don't know then I saw the movie that I forgot which who which actress portrayed her and I just my heart mm -hmm. was like wrenching like thinking this poor yes. woman having to suffer to feel that way for so long and just mm -hmm. uh, that's probably the first person I ever heard who what an eating disorder was when I was younger was Princess Diana it was over the papers and mm -hmm. the tabloids but not everybody knows and it happens to to even people that we might think are celebrities or are so important mm -hmm. and they have everything, but you know what? Everybody's mental health matters and it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a sad thing, but we all go through stuff. So just to know you're not alone and there's many other people yeah. out there affected. So I just wanted to bring that yes. up because thank no, you. definitely. I think that that's something important that that's for a lot of people might've been princess Diana, who like I could think of myself, yeah. like actually that probably is the first person who I've ever heard of who had yeah. an eating disorder. And, you know, she was in the UK and like in the United States, like, 
you know, up to like 28 million Americans can have eating disorders that we know of, you know, that are reported, you know, there's so much stuff that's so undiagnosed and it's such a prevalent thing. And, you know, reaching out for the help and support that you need is so important and having good resources is also so important. Thank you so much. All right, Ashley, you have a fantastic day. And to all of our listeners as well, stay tuned. More of the show is coming right up. Thanks again, honey. Bye-bye. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup.